This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We made USAA renter's insurance for members who need coverage done right. Because sometimes things go wrong. That's why USAA makes it easy to protect what you love for as low as 33 cents a day. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. On August 25th. I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. Um, I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Hello there, welcome back to another sparkling edition of that Millwall podcast as we step into the Lions Den with another former Millwall player. This one played 55 appearances and scored six goals. You can see him in the show title. Welcome to Marvin Williams. How are you, Marvin? I'm good, Neil. Thanks for having me on, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad in these extraordinary times that we live in. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. Strange times, mate. But no, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Mate, you joined the club as a youngster, didn't you? Tell us, how did that move come about? Yeah, so I was playing for a Sunday league team called Blackheath Wanderers. Um, up until, I think, under... So I was at Blackheath Wanderers under 10s, under 11s, um, and I think under 12s. Um, I started to kind of get quite a bit of uh, interest from various clubs. Mill was, was, was really the main and the first one that came in. Um, Charlton and a couple of others, but... From there, really, Mill was the club that I went to, um, trialed um, and signed. And, and from there, really, I, I never, never, never sort of looked back. And, and pretty much from under 12s to, to under 
well, 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 I'm under till what 21, I think I left. Was it 21? I think maybe even younger than that, 20. I left, and yeah, it was a it was an unreal experience for me, really. And, and from there, it was a was a just just going forward and, and going through the youth ranks, and it worked well for me. Who did you support as a kid? Obviously, a black Heath lad stuck in between Millwall and you know, that mob three miles down the road that nobody. Yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal. My dad, my dad, um, family, all Arsenal fans. So that was in the blood. Um, that's who I, I grew up watching. Um, Ian Wright, in particular, was the person who I, I watched a lot of. Um, obviously, I got a bit older on Reese and etc. But, um, but obviously, going to Millwall so young, um, that was when I really started to follow someone else. And 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 obviously, as I got older and had stuck to go to the Millwall games as a scholar and, and as a, as a schoolboy, that, that was obviously a club that was close to me throughout the younger years. Who were your Millwall coaches when you first joined? Uh, coaches, I had uh, Andy Massey, um, John Yems, who funny yeah. enough, we saw Yems the other day for Crawley. Didn't realise he was there, so John Yems. Um, who else did I have? Uh, Alan McCleary. Uh, Nicky Milo. Uh, yeah, that was it. I think that was it. One or two I was probably in between, but those were the main guys who were, who pretty much had the um, majority of time with me. Yeah, but Nicky Milo, I think, was running the youth system back then, wasn't he? Yeah, so Nicky was uh, interesting. He lived literally um, two minutes from me in Sydney, where I grew up. Lovely house Nicky had there. And um, we we ended up at one point. He ended up just taking me in, um, pretty much driving me in a lot to to training in his in his blue SLK Mercedes, and I forget that. And his cigar he used to have smoking his little skinny cigar, Nicky Milo. And um, yeah, and no, I got really well with Nicky. Was you know he used to he used to give me the odd call sometimes actually, funny enough, and say, "Mark, can you uh come and help me to move something in my house?" And I used to have to go up there to his house and help him move furniture, or, or he's got a new delivery or something, and he used to ask me to help him move it up the stairs or whatever. But you know, bless him, rest his soul. He's um, obviously passed away, but no, I had a good relationship with Nicky and um, all the coaches. To be fair, that I worked with at that age. And who came through with you? Curtis Weston was the main one. I'd probably say that went on and, and, and had a uh, an impact within the first team. Um, just played in the FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah. So that was he was the real first one in that in that cohort of players who really came through and. We saw that was getting a real chance. Um, we had a couple of the older ones, obviously the likes of Chernos, Moses Asher Cody, um, who was getting in and around things. Um, obviously Marvin Elliott, so Peter Sweeney. So those people that were kind of older, Barry Cogan, yeah. that we played with. But in terms of our actual age group, Curtis was the first one who really came through and um, and started to to uh, get a chance. That must have been quite good when you saw him come through and you saw him get on in the cup final, that must have given you a little bit of uh, yeah. hope. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, it was one of those ones where we we was a real close, tight-knit group, that age group, and we had a strong group, age group as well in terms of actually um, on the pitch. And uh, it got to that point where Wazzy came in and, and he obviously took a liking to, 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 to Curtis. And there was one or two others, Dean Pooley, who, who didn't go on and I don't think made an appearance, but was in and around the, the first team. Uh, and we then started to see, all right, why is he coming in and he's taken taken um, a look at us. And, and as I say, yeah, as a as a young lad, you know, it is in the change of rooms. Curtis goes off and he's playing with the first team in training. You then start saying, right, I want a bit of that. Um, and uh, and the good thing is those those days, Curtis might have gone with the first team, but he, we always sort of stayed as a tight group in that in the changing room. So you'd have a reserve changing room. So although he was training with the first team, 
he'd come back in with the reserves and it, after training for a period of time. So you even had that more of a real feel of um, of being in around and, and hearing it and seeing it and, and seeing how he's getting on with it and stuff. So that was real, real, um, a real reason for us to keep pushing on, really. When you first joined the club, obviously, uh, the club was on its uppers, wasn't it? Obviously, cup finals, playoffs, mm. uh, Europe. What yeah. was it like? be a youngster in and around that kind of yeah it was it was um it was exciting it was exciting because we were seeing things and as you say for, for, for me we were having to go at that age we were going to the games and we were watching and we were in stands so we were seeing um firsthand you know Europe Europe nights um I think it was was it Fair and Farish I think one of the games I remember they played Fair and Farish yeah so that was a, a night that I remember really well um uh, obviously, the playoff, uh, the, the cup final. Sorry, in terms of the FA Cup final, I was a young lad at that point. But we went up on the coach to to um, to, to Cardiff, um, and also the semi final at Old Trafford. We went, and it was just so so surreal, really. And and I think that for me was at the first point where we was really getting involved with all that and seeing it, where you started to really start thinking about. Yes, we always wanted to be footballers, but you actually started to see firsthand um, the the real highs of the game, um, and you're seeing people like Dennis Wise coming. He's been at the top, and you're seeing how he works and. Um, you know the players that he was bringing at that point, your Jody Morris's and, and these people that have played high level, and, and 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 even the ones that necessarily didn't play high level, but you you can see up close the top players um, at that time, and, and it was really, really, really an unreal sort of um, path for us to see and, and to try and aim for. It was really good. At what point did you think professional football could be a career for you? Probably eleven, twelve. So, really, that early? Honestly, I'll tell you what, mate. When I was 10, 10 or so at Blackheath Wonders, I was scoring an unbelievable amount of goals at that point. An unbelievable amount of goals. And um, it was at a point where I kind of, at that, at that point in that stage, I was 10, obviously, 9, 10, and I was scoring a lot of goals. And I knew at some point when I started to learn about scouts and et cetera, et cetera, that that, that would come along. And when I went to Millwall, um I just always had, Neil, an, a, an unbelievable sort of desire to want to be a footballer. And I always never felt about, and it sounds a bit cliche, but I never felt at any point that I wasn't going to be. And that's not an arrogance. That was just, that was the burning desire I had to be a footballer. So every single session, whether that was a, as a youngster, as a schoolboy in the evenings, I remember I used to run from my house to Andy Massey. Funny enough, also lived at the bottom of the road. So I used to run from my house to his every single session we had. And I'd jump in with him to training. Um, and that was just me. I'd never miss a session. I'd never be sick. I'd never, um, you know, sit at home and say, I don't fancy it today, mum or dad or whatever. I was literally there every session. I just had a desire, mate. And that was it. And I never looked. And, and obviously, as you get older, you start to realise what takes what it takes more and more. But I, I always thought, mate, at that point, you know, 11, 12, I, I was going to at least have a good chance of making it. Yeah, but your careers meetings at school must have been boring. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, you know, was another, again, another, without being a cliche, it was another one of those ones where you sit down and you get that meeting or that conversation. Or what do you want to be? Oh, a footballer. Oh, okay, yeah, but you know, everyone wants to be a footballer. But what do you really want to be? Or what? Do you, what are your alternatives? And at that point, no, you know, I, I, when I had that conversation in year eleven, I'd already had a. So in those days, I'd already had a three-year scholarship offer to me at Millwall. So at that point, it was almost like I didn't say it at the time, but I was having that conversation. I never forget it. She was like, "But you know, you're not not everybody wants to be a footballer. What do you want to be?" And, I, and I'm saying, "No, but listen." Right now, I'm leaving. I'm leaving school. I'm going to a three-year contract as a as a scholar. So that's what I'm going to put everything into. 
Oh, okay then. All right, well, good luck with that. And it kind of just ended up like that. So it was one of those ones where it was a quick conversation and and yeah, obviously, you know, she probably won't remember that conversation, but I know the school in particular, I've gone back a couple of times and they've uh, they've always um remembered those conversations that I used to have with them. Yeah, there's no point in wasting everyone's time if you yeah. <laughs> Year deal on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you doing your exams knowing yeah. that you've got this three-year scholarship on the table? Get no. it right. Yeah, weren't great, weren't great, and I, and I and I say that from a perspective of two reasons why I didn't do great. Number one was was that the thought, and I was lazy, and I got to a point where um, my my desire to be a footballer probably overran and overrid my my, my actual education um, thought process. That was number one. Number two. Um, a week before that, I shouldn't have been playing. But probably a week or two before my exams, I was playing for my school. And at that point, I shouldn't have played because I was, I think I had a, I can't remember what we were doing for me all, but I shouldn't have played and I lied. And I went and played in, in a tournament. In a, I think the winners got like PlayStation or something. So I was like, please, can you play? So I played. And stupidly, say stupidly, but it was one of those ones where we was playing. I got tripped up and I fell and I fractured my scaphoid in my wrist. Um, and I remember going into Millwall and I broke, obviously I'd had the cast on because I had to go across the next day. And they're like, what happened to your wrist? And I said, oh, no, I just was in the playground and I fell over. Anyway, long story short, it was my right wrist and I couldn't write during my exams for, for, for love nor money. So I had to literally take every exam in another room and I had to have somebody write for me. So it was literally like, I'd have to say English, for instance, I'd have to write English, I'd have to spell the word, I'd have to put a punch or a, a, a comma in or a full stop. It was just an absolute drag and a nightmare. So by that point, I think that was the second thing. I was just like, you know what? By the second day of exams, third day of exams, I was just like, I, I can't do this. And and uh, I've got a the scholarship there waiting. So um, I pretty much just, uh, just yeah, put it on the back burner. Yeah, your kids aren't going to listen to this podcast, are they? <laughs> no, well, he's yeah, I'm not letting him. So they're <laughs> in school, kids. Stay in school. Exactly. So you, so you get your scholarship and it's a, it's a bit of a time of change at Millwall, isn't it? Mm. Wisey's in and then out, and yeah, your club starts to go in a totally different direction, and not yeah. the direction we're proud of. Yeah, I, I tell you what, um, that pretty much sums up my time at Mill. I, I came through at a time where there was so much transition, and I think in the time that I was at the club in the first team, this is which was what two two seasons, two and a half seasons, possibly. I think I played under four or five different managers. Um, and as a young player, it, it was it was so frustrating. It didn't help me whatsoever. Yes, there were things that I didn't do right as well, which I'm sure we'll, we'll go over, but um, it was frustrating. It was, you know, I couldn't I couldn't gain momentum. I couldn't stick with one manager who had belief or, or, or who would know me and, and, and know what I'm about. And it was almost like every time I'd kind of got going, a new manager would come in and it was another change and then the change of chairman and the change of owner. And it was just a, in one instance, as I say, it worked well because that one of those managers took a chance on me. But in the other instance, it was no no fluidity and it just really played havoc with, with me at the time within the club. And what was it like the club in general at that time, because obviously I think Theo left and Jeff Burnage took over, yeah. appointed Steve Claridge and then sacked him almost as quickly yeah. as appointed him. Yeah, what was going on with all of that? It was weird because I think for me at that point, I was still just a scholar. So um, when in particular 
uh, Clarish came in. I remember I was a probably a second second year, third year possibly scholar. Um, and I remember, and I used to hear a lot of the stuff from just within the first team section because we used to obviously have academy um, youth team jobs. And at that time, when Clarish was in charge, one of my jobs was sort of first team equipment. So I used to be over there quite often. Um, and I know that, that, that there was just talks of, of, of or used to hear things, whether it was, uh, you know, a lot of set pieces they were doing at one point. And I know Clarish used to do a lot of set pieces and stuff. And I think the players weren't buying into it. And, and there were just things that you could just tell that they, they from the off, it just didn't quite seem right. And this was me on the outside looking in. So I guess it obviously was 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 what I was feeling or seeing was, was true because it didn't last long and he didn't last long. But I think that was when, I think it was Colin Lee that went it, that took over after that, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. And, and that's obviously who ended up giving me my my debut. So, um, yeah, it was it was a strange one with, with Claridge. So what was... Yeah. What other kind of jobs did you do? Yeah, well, as a scholar, yeah, well, I guess it's just the usual sweeping out the changing rooms, cleaning, yeah. etc. Was it? It was well, yeah. stuff we couldn't do now. Trust me, with the kids, obviously, after everything at the so back then we were doing stuff. Like I say, I think now they still should be doing it. Um, a lot of these, these young lads, but obviously they they um they get away with it. But yeah, we were doing sweeping, sweeping the changing rooms. Um, obviously, football boots. Uh, Match day of first team equipment, so to get the first team stuff out, first team footballs. So that would mean on the muddy days, you'd have to take them back in after training and wash the footballs and the showers. Um, we did actually at once. So the mill, I don't know if it's still there actually, the, the academy training ground that was in Mottingham. I don't know if that's still there, the, the junior section, not not the actual, um, uh, yeah. but yeah, there was a Mottingham training ground. I'm not sure if it's still there. We actually had to paint that one, one a few days. I remember Macca at the time, Adam McCleary, we all went down there, blue paint. Never forget it, we spent the whole day. They made us paint the changing, uh, the, the training, um, the, the the building, and that was incredible. It was good because for us those days we were just told what we had to do. We just did it. Now imagine that you get you get a lot of um, backlash of that, but but it was good. It was it was it was it was at that point as I say we had a good strong team, we had a great culture. We got on well with each other. That group brought us closer together, and um, you'd be surprised how much of those sort of jobs make go onto the pitch. That culture you have and it bringing it onto the pitch, and it makes you a. a, a, a you know, stronger player, you know, in different ways. So I would never change those days. Yeah, when you've got scholars now earning 20, 30 grand a, a, year a week, yeah, but they can't get them cleaning boots and that. Whose boots did you clean when you were doing it? I had an unbelievable, unbelievable touch. I had Dennis Wise and I had Jody Morris. And, and Jody was honestly the, the best um, guy to have in terms of us. And, and obviously I went on to play with him at that point and I remember the first time I met Jody and he, he had this massive escalate so he just signed obviously he had this massive escalate and obviously Jody's only small as we all know so it just looks strange but he walks out and um, he obviously knows that I'm his boot boy so he says to me what size are you and I was obviously at that point I was a size 7 oh, come to the car with me so he takes me to the car pulls out this this uh, pair of brand new Umbro boots he said yeah mate have those he went you look after me I look after you and from then it was unreal he used to give me boots um and then I remember one Christmas, he comes in and said, right, Marv, I'll give you 50 quid, obviously at Christmas, because that was the part of the year where all our squads used to look forward to. There were some tight guys, don't get me wrong. There were some tight ones that didn't give their players their, their boot boys anything, but there were some ones that lads used to say, you're lucky. And I was lucky with them too. So Jody calls us in the change, uh, calls me in and says, right, he's got all the lads in the changing room. He says, right, Marv, I'll give you 50 quid. Um, this is the scholar boys he's got in the changing room. I'll give you 50 quid, or I'll give you, a, I think it was like 150 quid if you sing a song 
and I'll give you, and, and, but you've got to, to earn this 150 quid, you've got to sing a song. And I, I was a very quiet boy, Neil, very quiet, very shy, probably awkwardly shy. So you can imagine me singing it at that point in my head, it was like, oh my God, but 150 quid to a scholar is, is, is gold dust. So I'm like, I'm going for it. So he's, um, he's stand up on the, he's maybe stand up on the, uh, uh, the benches and, and I sang a song and he, he, to be fair to him, he's, he's pulled out the, the money after, now there you go, mate. And, um, and that was that was unreal, and you know I think that's how he was as a person. He really looked after me. And then why is he on the other end? It was a different one because Christmas came and went, and he, he didn't give me anything. And I was a bit like, everyone was like, oh, bloody hell, I thought you were going to do all right out of it. Um, so Christmas came and went, and I would never would have asked, never ever. And I remember one day we were sat in the canteen eating eating some food at uh, lunch. He went, Marv, uh, did I give you a did I give you a bonus? It's like no, no, why is he didn't mate? <laughs> So I just thought, oh, but it's all right. And he went, all right, here you go. So he pulls out his back pocket. He must, at that point, must have had about, I just saw pink, pink notes. That's all I saw, Neil, just pink notes. And it was a big, that's <laughs> <laughs> all I saw, mate. And then he was, went, and he just pulled out 300 quid. He went, oh, there you go, 300 quid. He just put it in my hand. And he went, he went sorry, mate. I was like, no, no worries, mate. Cheers, thank you. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, two really good guys, um, you know, just just looked after me, and I, I never felt as a as a young lad that they were they were mean or or, or you know cruel or, or just kind of um, moaners. Because some boys had some real moany guys, so they just looked after me, and they were happy. And I tried to I always try to do a good job of their boots in particular because they looked after me. So yeah, I done more out of those two. You were three hundred pound, and you didn't have to sing for it. I know. Tell me about it. Tell me about <laughs> it. So it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. <laughs> so what song was it that you sung? Come on, I sang Usher. Um, nice and slow. You probably don't know that one, Neil, but if you Google it later, mate, you'll 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 find it. It's a decent one. Nice and slow. Usher. Whenever I've got a single song, that's my go-to. Um, really? Yeah, that's my go-to. Bit of R and B. Yes, so you know the words well. I tried to at that point. I tried. There's a little rap in it as well, but I didn't. I didn't get that far. I was hoping he stopped doing that point, and he did. So, uh, but no, it was good. Really good laugh. But those are the things that kind of shape you, don't they? As a young lad, I think those are the good things that you go through. Yeah, that's right, and yeah, but it's all yeah, it's all character building. Mm, exactly, exactly. So you're in your third year. Did you think I'm going to stay on here, or or did you think no, this is it for me? I asked to leave. I asked to leave. I'll be honest with you. I got to a point where um, it was a strange one, as I say. Um, like I mentioned with Curtin Weston coming through, there was, I won't mention any names at the moment because I think it's, a, it's an, it, I wouldn't do it, but there was a person at the time who was involved with, who who was involved in in, in players who got contracts and, and who didn't, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I, I, again, I probably sound like a lot of people that may be looking for excuses, but at that time I felt like there were a lot of favourites. And I think that, and I felt, and one thing I've always tried to be, you know, is if I'm going to get something, I'm going to earn it off my own back. And I felt there were certain players around me who, 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 with this particular person, um, tried extra hard not on the pitch, off the pitch to become good friends with him, and I think that, that this person as well, who was in charge of the, of, of that particular side of it, um, as I say, you know, really, really had his favourites, and, and and others didn't get a fair crack, and it got to a point where, as an under nineteen, I was playing down an age group because you was allowed to, so you was allowed to play under seventeen football. And have one or one, I think it was have one or two over eight over age players. And at that point, as a third year scholar, that was me. I was playing as an over age player, and I was a sort of at this point, I'm kind of reevaluating everything because I've been at North since I was 12. Um, at this point, I'm playing as an over age player. I was my the players who were my age group were either playing in the reserves or playing in and around the first team. 
So I, I remember speaking to Nikki Milo and I said, listen, Nikki, I, I'm, I spoke to my um, advisor. I say it was an advisor. It wasn't at the time. It was a family friend, but he was happened to be in that business. I said, listen, I'm, I spoke to my advisor first. I said, I think I'm ready to, to move on. Um, and we spoke to Watford um, and I was going over to Watford. So I spoke to Nikki Milo and explained that to him. And he said, listen, we don't, we don't want you to go. You know, we're not going to let you go. So I'm like, Nikki, I'm, I'm playing on, as an overage player, mate, in under... 17s, you know, we're, 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 I'm a third year scholar, but the players who are my age also um, playing for at least reserves. And at that point as well, Neil, I was playing really well for the 17s as, as I thought I should have been as an overage player. So it was almost like to me, it was a bit of a, felt like a bit, a bit disrespected. I felt just like it was, um, I was always a lad that was never knocking on people's doors. I always worked hard, always at training, as I said. Um, I just felt I wanted a bit of honesty. And but Nicky, probably a great decision at that point. He said, no, no, we're not going to let you go, mate. Keep working hard. Keep, keep, keep. And, and again, as I say, without saying too many things at once, Ed, the lads were also, some lads would get to train with the first team. So why is he every day would, or whoever it was at the time would always have, right, on the morning, in the morning, on the pin board in the, or on the main board in the training ground, it'd go up who would be training with the first team. And as a young lad, you'd always go and look, just in case. Um, and obviously you'd see a couple of names that were in and around your squad go into train. So that wasn't happening for me either. So at this point, I'm thinking well, I'm getting no, I'm getting no um, positive um, sort of uh, vibes, if you like. Yeah. yeah, no positive vibes. Nothing, nothing to make me think that this is really going to go anywhere. So that 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 led me to make that decision to go and say I want to move on. But as I say, it didn't let me. Um, and then, as I say, Colin Lee took took over. And honestly, one of the biggest things I'll always say to my son is, and and even my academy players now that things can change overnight. That is what happened with me in, in that instant. And I say overnight, and I, you know, that's a bit OTT, but I mean, within a week or two weeks of Colin Lee taking over, as I said, I've gone from the underage player to, to playing um, pretty much with the first team. It was crazy. Am I right in thinking that he saw you play in a reserve game mm. and changed his mind? Colin Lee, this is. Yeah. So I remember playing in a training ground um, game. I can't remember who it was against. Um, and I've done really well. And then I remember after the game, never forget this Tony Burns, goalkeeper coach, who I love, Tony Burns, lovely guy. I remember right him up. coming in. Yeah, I remember him coming in, and he said to me, you have on a pro contract yet? And at this point in my head, as I said to you, you know, I was on the way out, that's where my, head, my mindset was at. But showing the sort of person I was, I, I got that chance with the reserves that day, and I thought, I'm taking it. And I remember coming after the game, he said, you want a, you want a pro contract? So I, I said to him, no. He said, okay, then. So he just, and that was it. He walked off. He, there was no sort of like, why not or anything. He just walked off. So it was a little bit like, it was good to hear it because it meant that I've made a, an impact. But at the same time, I still didn't know where it was going. Um, then he put me in another reserve game away at Fulham. Um, and again, at this point now, I'm training. I'm, I'm in the squad with the likes of Alan Dunn. Um, I think a couple of first team players had, had come down as well to play. Again, came on and had done really well. Um, and this is where, again, things just went overnight. And I'll never forget it. Um, Dave Tuttle. He uh, he pulled me one day after, after he pulled me the morning of a of a training session, and I was, I went over to go and train with my academy uh, with with my uh, under under 18s under 19s group. And he said to me, um, "Right, we're going for we're going, I'm taking you for running." He just pulled me and said, oh, "You're going running," and I didn't have the greatest relationship with Tuttle uh, with Tuttle with Tuts. I didn't have a great relationship with Tuts. I'll be honest with you. And he pulled me over and went, "You're going running," and I'm thinking in my head, "Right." I can't tell you what I was thinking in my head about him, but I was really, I was fuming. But in yeah, the time, pleasant, I can guess. Yeah, it wasn't at the time until he said, it was me actually another player called Will Henry, Will Hendry at the time. And he said to us, you're both going running. So um, as we're walking, he was like, oh, 
you go and running because you're in the squad on Saturday against Coventry. He said, what? He said, oh, yeah, you're in, you're in the squad on Saturday against Coventry and the, the chances are you're going to start. Uh, oh, sorry, you're going you're gonna to get on, sorry. So I was like, oh, wow. And I swear I've never ran with such happiness in my life, mate. I was running, I was doing all the, I was, I was hitting the times, I was sprinting up and down. Um, it was unreal. So, but prior to that, we had, I actually had been involved in a, in a, in a first team fixture of my first ever one where, where Colin Lee took me to away to Mansfield. And that was the first time I saw my shirt in the changing room. I didn't make the squad. I didn't make the squad at all. But I went there, saw my shirt. And after the game, he said to me, do you think you can play at this level? And, and obviously, Nacho said, yeah. And as I say, that's when the following, the following session, that's when I got pulled for the running. And then, um, yeah, went to Coventry and I made my debut there. And it was just, yeah, came on the last big 10 minutes or so. And, and that was it. Yeah, well, Colin Lee had actually left by then, hadn't he? I no, he hadn't. And David Tuttle had taken over. No, not at that point yet. So when we at that point, uh, Colin Lee was still in charge. I think Colin Lee was in charge for possibly maybe five, five or six games. And again, it tells you how sort of the turmoil at the time. I think it was five or six games we played with Colin Lee. And obviously at the time the club were really struggling. Um so yeah, it might have been, might not have been that amount, it might have been three or four. And then and then Tuts took over. Um and that was an interesting time for me with him in charge. It was an interesting time. So, so if we go back a little bit, yeah, but Tuts tells you you're going to be involved against Coventry. Yeah. The first thing you do is go home and tell the family? Oh, without a doubt. I didn't even wait to get home. I rang my mum straight away and said, mum, I'm in the squad on Saturday. She, she was she was unbelievably proud, happy, because um, obviously at that time she knew I was going through a hard time. Um, and obviously, I'd never moaned from the from under 12s up to under 16, 17s. I'd never moaned about being at Millwall. I loved the club. I loved how it treated me. I loved the values it put in me. Um, and, and it just suited suited everything that I wanted from a football club. So at that point, even for me, it was really an emotional time. And I think that's when I realised how much Millwall meant to me when I went through that tough period. So at that point where I got the phone call to say, or the, the initial conversation to say, I'm going to be in the squad, Um you know, it, it, she just said, this, "It's what I said to you. You just keep working hard, and things will change." And 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 that literally had, is what had happened. Um, so yeah, it was a family. Obviously, I got a twin brother. You know, he 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 was unbelievably happy for me because he was at Mill with me as well when I was when we first came in together. Um, and we came in as obviously as as a, as a partnership, and he ended up just going back to our Sunday League team. So he was unbelievably proud, and my older brother and my sisters, so and my dad. So yeah, it was. Um, a great one of the greatest times, one of the greatest feelings. So it's an away game. Did you, yeah, did you get an overnight stay, that kind of thing? Bear in mind, Coventry's only about a week up the road, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I, we didn't. I think we travelled. We travelled on the day. We travelled on the day. I'm certain we travelled on the day. Um, and I just remember being so nervous. I even rem- I remember coming out the tunnel, Neil, for the gate for the warm up, and just being stiff and nervous and. Um, and because I came through at a time where the club was struggling in the championship, it was almost tougher because players in the warm ups, especially we had a young kind of a young squad, um, it was almost like they didn't see me as a young lad. So, it, it, in you know, you look at a, a young lad coming through now in my head, a young lad comes through, especially in that kind of circumstance, you put your arm around and you make it feel comfortable, go and enjoy it. You know, it's a great experience. It wasn't like that. It was, and I'm not saying the kid they were, they were, they were, they weren't in terms of intentionally being like that towards me. But I just felt there was a lot of people that had their own things to look after, 
And as you can imagine, it took their focus away probably from, from maybe bringing this youngster. So I just remember being in a warm-up really nervous and my touch going everywhere. And people saying, come on, Marv, come on, come on, like, liven up. And I'm thinking, Jesus, like, I'm just getting used to being here and, and being in this environment and warming up with music and bands. And, um, but, you know, how I am and how, I was always, how I've always been wired is, is in those sort of environments, I just kind of get on with it. And I just know that eventually... I'll get through that and I'll, I'll, I'll get to the other end. And, and um, I just try to enjoy that as much as I could, really. It wasn't a particularly good game. I think I think we lost 1-0. Matt Lawrence went yeah. off, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So that 1-0, and that's why I came on the last 10 minutes. Um, I remember just just uh, on the sideline, like, Mark, get ready. And I just remember the, the running on the pitch. I, remember the, I just remember always saying, just your first touch, just make it a good one or or just be do something that just, just sort of sets the tone for you in the game. I think the first one was like a touch and the kids just gone straight through the back of me and we won a foul. So I thought, okay, good start. But the intensity was just frightening. That's the first, that's the one thing I'll always remember. My chest was burning after the game. I just remember thinking, wow, the, the physicality. And I was at that age, I was only, I had, I had pace, but I wasn't strong in terms of physically. Um, and I just remember the physicality of the game was unreal and the pace. And uh, But yeah, as I say, just one of the things that I knew that I'd, I'd get used to eventually. Yeah, well, I guess the... You know, I guess you had the adrenaline was flowing, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. You must have been absolutely shattered when you got off. After yeah. Yeah, I remember going in the changing rooms after the game. I don't remember remember listening to what the manager's team talk was, if I'm honest with you. I was just sat there thinking, I've just made my debut in front of, I think, eight, eight 9,000 people. Um, and obviously, at that point, the Rico Arena was pretty new. So it was a lovely stadium. Um, and I just remember thinking, wow, that's all I remember. And a couple of yards coming up to me and saying, what well, I'm Marvin. Um, obviously, yeah, it was just just a very very strange and surreal moment. But yeah, crazy. And then I think you came off the bench for what the next three or four games, didn't you? Mm. So I always knew that I was never going to be playing at the beginning, and, and it would be funny actually because I go back to Tony Burns, and, and I think where um, probably the game against Dar, or I, don't, I was already kind of making a few waves, but the game against Derby where I scored the winner, I think that's when I really started to kind of make an impact and the fans started to kind of really put their ears up. Um, and there used to be games where I remember Burnsy used to say to me, right, the, flag, the crowd would get a bit flat, especially the home games. And he used to say, right, go ahead, just warm up. You're not going to come on, but just go and warm up and get the fans going again. And it would be very funny. I used to go and warm up and it'd just be like, fans getting going again. And they'd say, right, come and sit back down again. Um, and I just got used to kind of being uh, initially um, that sub that. But for me at that time, you know, I was just living the dream. I was, and at this point as well, mate, I was still a scholar. I hadn't signed a pro contract. I wasn't, I wasn't even asking to sign a pro contract because in my head, I was just living, as I say, the dream. I wasn't even, I had a friend who was an advisor, but I don't think really we took anything in terms of any directions of, of conversations like that until eight, nine, ten games in. So I'm still a scholar. I'm still earning, I think, 120 quid a week. I'm just playing. I'm just enjoying it. I'm set, I'm coming off the bench again on the games and coming off and and just 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 going with the flow. And, and it's so crazy to look back now because it's like I didn't realize what I was doing in the magnitude of coming on as an eight year old in the championship at, at, at that level and playing at Leicester and Coventry and all these clubs. Yeah, well, I was going to say how much we were earning. So it's about 120 grand a week. Oh, sorry, yeah, 120. <laughs> And the week, was it? <laughs> 20 grand a week. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, my God. Yeah, no, honestly, I was on a third year scholar. Uh, I think, remember those days, it was your first year was something like 70 quid. Your second year was like 90 quid, and then you got to like 120. And I remember as a third year, you used to really think you was you was rich, mate. You know what I mean? You, was, you used to think that you was uh, you was doing all right. And so 
but but I was never the, the way I was raised and the way I've always been. I was never financially driven in terms of my, you know I was never and it's just how I was as I said wired. I wasn't thinking right. I'm in the first team now. I need to go see the manager. I need to go and see why what I could be earning. I didn't. I again being really naive to the game and I was really going back to I was really shy and a real awkward guy and um I didn't speak to older pros or whatever. So or even pros in general. So. I didn't know about things like appearance bonuses. So when I'm coming on the pitch, I'm just thinking like a, 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 an under-18s or an under-19s fixture. I'm not thinking about, oh, you know, should I be earning out of this or anything like that? So, um, yeah, eventually those clips came there, of course. Yeah, but that was actually going to be my, yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question there. Yeah. Yeah, you're on a scholarship contract. Yeah, but did, yeah, but did they give you? First team appearance bonuses and win bonuses, or yeah, well, yeah, not that we won many games, yeah, yeah. Right at that time, and a goal bonus. Yeah, did they ever give yeah. you anything more than that hundred and twenty quid? Not, uh, not, not until I signed my contract. So I remember at that point, that's where a couple of players that like, said to me, "Marv, you need to speak to the club, like, and make sure they backdate it." And that was that at the point where I thought, right, I need to go and get an, an agent or an advisor. So. I had a guy at the time called Tony Finnegan. As I say, he was a family friend, Tony. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, but I know Finn used to play for Fulham. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 he's a family friend. And I remember sitting down with him in a coffee shop and we, we spoke and we agreed things and blah, 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 blah. Um, and yeah, so at that point, I say people were saying to me, you need to go and get this back dated. And I remember saying to the club, like, am I, you know, am I going to get some bonuses or something like that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we'll get it sorted out. And it kind of just got to a point where I don't think they were intentionally doing it, but whereas a quiet lad again, and I wasn't making too much of a, 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 a big thing about it. I think they just kind of kept slipping their mind. So um, I spoke with Tony and, and then eventually Colony calls me upstairs. And um, honestly, again, he, he turns around and he says to me, at that point I'm on 120 quid as a scholar. I think he turns around and says 220 quid or something like that. I don't even remember Neil, what it was, but it was 200 and something quid. And I went home buzzing. I swear again, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I'll take that. I'm, I'm happy with it. Obviously, I've not told him that, but in my head, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take this home. But but I wasn't again, I was I wasn't I'm not manager. I'm just thinking I just want to be able to say I've signed a pro contract. So I wasn't fussed with the amount. So at that time, so I, I remember going back to my agent, Tony, and he laughed almost like that's 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 ridiculous. You ain't taking that. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, Tony, come on, mate. Like, but again, I didn't know about the nego- well, I knew about negotiations, but I didn't I, I was just a real placid guy, so I didn't want to have him. Yeah. Arguing with the club, what your worth was that kind. Of yeah, exactly. At that point, you know what I mean. So he's like, "Mar, that's ridiculous." So they've gone back in, um, and I, I remember I think we agreed on something like six, seven hundred quid a week, something like that. Anyway, so, or maybe a little bit less than that. I can't remember, but I remember. The, the, I always remember it was it was a, like a nine hundred or nine hundred and fifty quid appearance bonus or something like that. So I was earning, I was getting more for an appearance than actually weekly wage. <laughs> uh, and, that was, and that was unreal and, and again my first pay packet was what really taught me about taxes because I didn't even know about what, what taxes were in terms of um, obviously I knew it but I didn't know how much it, it hurt because we were the scholars we were getting minimum wage essentially so right. when I got my first pay packet and I came in at the first I came into the first thing at Christmas time where it was a lot of games obviously um, and they'll say I was owed money that was backdated oh my god I opened up my first pay packet I just rang my brother up I was like Brother, what what is what is this amount of tax? Is this right? Am I am I what is going on here? Because the tax was unbelievably high, but it was just a case of it is what it is, you know. And that was, and that was it. And that was um, and that was uh, that was how it went. But the funny thing was, 
that was about that about how the pro contract really worked out was because I always say this to my to, to people is so I agreed the contract, but I didn't I didn't sign it until probably about a week or so later because there was no good negotiations and I didn't know I was signing it. And I, I remember turning up for the game against Everton. Um and I remember the, I think the chairman at the time was Peter DeSavery. Am I right in saying that? It was Peter DeSavery. Yeah, and I remember him, tail, wasn't it? That kind of era. Yeah. And I remember him. I remember going walking through the main entry stores and uh, someone said to me, right, you're signing your contract today. I was like, really? I didn't know, didn't realise it's been agreed. So I rang my agent. I was like, what's going on? He went, yeah, don't worry, Mark. It's all been agreed. This is what you're getting. Go and sign it before the Everton game this is. So we've gone up. It's a great start to the day. I've gone and signed the contract. I'm happy with everything. Um, obviously gone and played the game and scored. And I always look back and I think, imagine if I just waited till just after that game. All of a sudden, that contract would have probably had a lose <laughs> on it. It would have changed slightly. Because you'd actually scored the week before, I think you, against Derby. Yeah. yeah, so I scored the week against Derby. And then we, we left the game and we literally went up to, we went on a um, trip to, uh, to uh, where was it in Torquay? Bowie Castle. So we literally left the Derby game, went straight on the coach, went over to Bowie Castle for the week, came back. And then we were straight into the Everton game. So during that time, whilst we were away, I guess that's when negotiations were taking place with, with my contract. Um, so yeah, I took off on a Saturday morning, signed it, happy as Larry. And then yeah, after the game, um, well, I did, I did, at the time I didn't think about that, but now I look back, I think imagine if I'd have just waited. But yeah, it was um, Derby with, with the game, as I said, that really, really sort of uh, springboarded things. Yeah, well, that cemented you, didn't it, as a first team player? I think scoring the winner in that game. Mm. And I tell you what, it was. I was so. Again, that was a really surreal moment because, as I say, I always said to myself when I scored my first goal, try and find, look up to my mum because she was the one that was at every, every game, every, every, every match, every, every wherever we, we needed to to be at football. She got us there. She didn't drive, but she made sure we got there. And um, I remember scoring the goal, and I remember thinking, I'm going to look for where she is. But at that point, you don't realise when you've got sort of whatever it was at the time, six or seven thousand in the fans in the state in the stadium. You don't realize you can't actually see anybody. You, you, much as you try to, you couldn't pick her out really. So it, that was a bit of a, a, a non-existent one. But after the game, I threw a couple of school friends. I remember that. I remember as a guy's going back down the tunnel, one of the schoolmates. I was like, Marv, Marv, Marv. And um, I give him a hug. And I remember going in and Maka, Alan Ritiri, who, who for me was a huge part of my development. You know, I, I, I you know unbelievably, especially as I've got older, how much I, I, he, he done for me. And I remember him coming to change room. He congratulated me, and that was a real. He was never an emotional guy, but Maka was a tough nut. But he was, um, you could see he was happy for me. Um, and yeah, I just remember I was, again going back to my first. That's probably my first time I really started to understand what beer was because I was not a drinker. I was a young lad, and I remember just having Budweisers put in a game put at me, and I'm drinking buds. Honestly, me, I'm drinking buds like I've, I'm don't understand alcohol. I'm just drinking it. And then, <laughs> like I you, mate, we finished the coat. We finished the game, and I've got on the coach going to, to obviously Bobby Castle. Started to feel a bit lightheaded. Oh, what's that? My stomach feels a bit crazy. And I just remember going to the toilet on the coach and just sicking everywhere. Thinking, <laughs> 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's just giving them, I have another one, I have another one. I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. And um, yeah, it, it done me. It done me. So but yeah, you say it's all character building that. So four and a half hours to talk, eh? And mm. you Chucked your guts up in the coach. I bet you weren't the most popular player on that coach. I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him it was me, mate. So I, I, chucked, <laughs> up in the, I just chucked up in the toilet and I just let her shut the door and went back and sat down. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if anybody listens to this now, 
that was yeah. playing back then. That was me, guys. Marvin. <laughs> that was me, guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, that Millwall podcast exclusive. Yeah, that was me. So you've gone down to Bovey Castle, which I think Peter de Savary owns or something. Yeah. And you're preparing for the Everton game. What were the preparations like, considering that you yeah, that you were probably suffering from alcohol poisoning for your first three days? You know what? No word of a lie, I was sick for three days. I couldn't get out of the room. I was sick for three days. Uh, and it was a, it was just a very – there was no training, and it was really strange. Obviously, the club felt at that time we needed to just get away, be together as a group, and just relax. And there was no sessions. It was going to play golf. It was going for sort of just walks. It was chilling out, table tennis, pool – um, swimming, whatever we wanted to do, but there was no training involved. Um, it was just a very relaxed. Um, it was a lovely castle, as you can imagine. It was a very, very, you know, very lovely place to just be, very chilled. Um, but it was crazy for me because at that point, I was, I was still lapping up Derby, so it was almost like I'm getting, I'm, I'm looking on, um, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the highlights of the game and seeing myself. I'm getting all these messages through. I'm getting things. I'm seeing things in the paper. I got man in the match that day, and my, you know, my mum's. Um, showing me that she's putting away the, the man in the match trophy and all that stuff, and I'm just kind of taking, trying to take it all in my stride. And at the time, as I say, I was, I was rooming with a guy called Will Hendry, um, who would come through the academy with me, and he's just he's starting to, you know, he's easing my ear. Oh, marvelous, Marv, and marvelous this and marvelous that, and you know, I'm just trying to stay level headed. But it was um, that 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 was probably a good thing that I was away for those few days because I could just really have a little bit of time away from everything and just kind of really soak up what I'd done. And you come back, and at what point were you told that you were going to start against Everton? The day, the day. So I walked into the changing room, and uh, the way the changing room used to be set up, you obviously had your starting eleven, and then you had your subs shirts always in a certain place. So I literally just walked in and headed towards the sub shirts. So as you can imagine, I got upstairs, I signed my contract, I walked into the changing room, really happy. Got over to the sub shirts, and I've seen, I've not seen my name, and I, I, I was honestly like. Ah uh, no, I'm not. I'm not in the squad. I've, I've, I've obviously signed a contract, and maybe they've done it today to kind of give me a little bit of, a, um, you know, it just softens the blow a little, ball, a little bit. So I was like, oh, I was like, Mark's one black camera. Who it was? Someone said, Mark, your shirt's over here. So I turned around, I seen I'm in the starting, starting eleven. I'm like, wow. Um, and and as I say, there was it was an interesting relationship with with, with Tuts, but um. He, he probably said the best thing you could ever say to a young lad at that point. And he said to me, just go and enjoy the game. Just go and enjoy. You've got no pressure on you whatsoever. And I remember that. And I will never forget that day because I remember that was exactly what I needed to hear. And that's when I went out there because I thought I, I, I'm expected to not probably have an impact on this game. I'm expected to maybe even have a bad game in general. So even if I do okay, then I've done all right. Um, and I just didn't think about the game. It's, it's, I didn't overthink it. I just warmed up. I just went into the game. And, um, yeah, that, the rest is obviously history after that. So, 39 minutes in, I think it was, uh, you, you race through, don't you, or something? And Yeah, remember, I think it's, it's uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone's clipped a ball forward. I don't know if it was Richard Shaw at the time. I can't remember who it was, but they've, li- they've, they've, they've nicked it uh, or they've clipped it forward. And I always remember, as a young lad, and at, that, at those days, it was 4-4-2, quick wingers, Big man, little man up top, and Ben May was the big man at that point. And I always remember with Ben, he, he, he always got his fair share of headers. Um, but I just quite, remember, what's that? Yeah, but he was quite good in the air. He was useful. Yeah, yeah, in 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 the air, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was he, yeah, he was handy, especially in our, our younger lads, because uh, I'd worked with obviously. Uh, sorry, I'd played with Ben obviously through the through the academy. 
as much as he was a couple of years older in the reserves. So I always knew what his game was about. So I remember him winning it, and I just remember gambling. That's what I used to do. That was my thing. Just gamble on the, the, anything that goes up, gamble and try and do your best with it. And I remember him winning it. And I remember there was a bit of contact. I can't remember what it was with one of the players. And I, I actually remember thinking, right, just hit the target. Hit the target, Marv. And then at least you've got some work to keep on. And yeah, man, I just remember I've had a bit of contact, side footed it, gone gone over him or, or or gone to the to the to the left of him into the corner and this week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Hey Chief, we got a damaged RV on its way to the OR. Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of RV surgery. <laughs> Wait, are you promoting me? Congrats, Martinez. Doctor, that RV's flatlining! Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of nursing. So you're just promoting everyone now. Yeah, kinda looks that way, doesn't it? When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. That moment now still gives me goosebumps, Neil. Honestly, that that moment now still doesn't seem real um, because, yeah, you know, I mean, as you can imagine, as an eighteen-year-old, you scored the game before. You're now starting to ever in a Premier League tie, side, um, in front of a packed den, and then I've done that. It, it was it was crazy, crazy. I think I saw a picture earlier on for you. There's, yeah, there's a photo on the BBC website of the match report. And you just stood there like this. Yeah, yeah. That, that was it. It was just, it was just trying to take. I was trying to be cool and trying to act like I, I was. I was a. Uh, it's kind of what I do, but at the same time, you know, you just uh, to go back shit, didn't you? You just wanted oh, to go really. mental. That was it. And at that point, my confidence went to a whole new level for the rest of the game because you can imagine, as a young lad, I'm thinking, I'm, 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 I've got Phil Neville, I've got Arteta up against, I've got um, Richard Wright in goal, you've got. Um, you know all these top players, you know, in 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 the Premier League, James Beattie, etc. At the time, you know, you know, Everton, Everton were a good group at that point, a solid, solid Premier League side, and I've just done that, and that was it. I, I felt for the rest of that game, I felt quicker than everybody, I felt stronger than everybody, I thought I could jump out anyone, uh, out jump anyone. I just felt at that point, I was untouchable and um, almost superhuman. I guess no, that, that is how I felt, and everything that I did came off. And I remember giving. Um, Oh, what was his name in the centre half? Uh, captain at the time, Everton. Oh, uh, can't remember his name, but I just remember giving him a real tough time at home and away, actually. Um, and yeah, it was it was just an incredible moment, incredible moment. And then after the game, going upstairs into the lounge, player lounge, that was just another surreal moment. You've got K- Gar- uh, Tim Cahill coming over. Obviously, I knew Tim anyway from the Mill days, but Tim Cahill, Arteta's, you know. Osmonds, these people coming up to me and congratulating me after the game. You were David Weir was probably the player that you think. Yeah, one. Yes, David Weir. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, and I think that's when I thought really I, I was good enough because after that game, you have the Everton players coming over to me. Um, it really was that was really crazy. We can only think as fans what it's like to play in front of sixteen thousand four hundred and forty. <laughs> and score. What was it actually like to play in front of a big FA Cup crowd against mm. a Premier League team? Just um, words. Uh, it's um, 
it's a, I'm trying to make it not sound as cliche yet or, or too, it's a dream, it, it, but in terms of trying to be more detailed with how it feels, it, it's, it's, um, it's a bit of an emotion. It's, it's, it's emotional to a degree because I'm, I, I, you're on a football pitch and, and, and you're looking around and you're seeing all these people, you're hearing the music, you know, um, especially when you're coming out the, the, the tunnel and you're hearing the famous, um, obviously the, 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 the music. Come. Yeah. Let them come. And, um, and you're sat in, you're looking, you're, st- you're stood in the town, you're looking at, you know, all these, these premiership players alongside you, Phil Neville and all these players are still already. And you're just, I'm just thinking at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm sat here or stood here, I should say, ready to walk out into an FA Cup game in front of a packed den. Um, I've just signed my contract. I'm a professional. I, I know I've made it. I'm, I'm, it's, it's too, it's so hard to try and describe that feeling. And you can't, because even now, as I say, it still gives me goosebumps. So it shows you, how hard and, and, and emotion is to try and really put into words, but it, it's something that is it a um, kind of body experience? Yeah, that, that, even now I look back, Neil, and I think that didn't happen to a degree, or it was so surreal because I watch it sometimes, and I'm and I'm thinking, I can't believe I I, I did that, you know, I, I can't believe I did it, um, and there's you know. There's, it, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And then the next that that same very night, and again, I talked to you about how how sort of so, socially quiet I was, and I wasn't a party goer. And I look back, and I remember I always get upstairs after the game, as I say, into the um, players' lounge. And I remember um, uh, you didn't want wine this time, have you? No, no, I stayed away from this time. <laughs> I stayed away from them. <laughs> Toby, uh, Toby Porter, I think his name was, wasn't it? He used to write for the South London Press. Toby yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember, I never forget he came up to me. He went. Remember this moment. Never forget this moment, and always and save this feeling. And um, I didn't quite know. I knew what he meant, but I didn't quite know what he meant in respect of. I'm thinking at that point, I'm gonna get this feeling again. Surely, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this chance again. And, and I remember going home and just had a normal Saturday evening. You know, I didn't, I didn't go out. I didn't have any drinks. I just remember by ten for a.m. This is the sort of person I was. Sorry, p.m. I was sat and laid in bed, and I was in the, with the lights off. In my bedroom, and I was watching myself on TV on Match of the Day, so, or, or the highlights. Honestly, that that was it. It wasn't, you know, in front of family. Like it wasn't that. I was literally upstairs, knackered, in bed, watching myself in highlights. And um, and after that game as well, I just remember looking at my phone and I saw an unbelievable amount of messages from family, um, and friends and whatnot. And funny, my my actual Sunday league manager put a bet on me to score a first goal that game, and he done well at that as well. <laughs> well out of that. Because I think Leon Osman actually equalised quite quite late on in that game. Yeah. Was, that, was that day the highlight of your career? Signing the contract, scoring against Everton on your first start? Um it's a tough one. Do you know why people ask me that question? And I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's that or if it's the Derby game where I scored my first ever goal. And that sounds crazy, but in terms of the, the context of coming off the bench, we were drawing at the time. Obviously, Scott scored a winner. Um, and I remember the we celebrations were losing in that game. I think Seth we John- were losing. I think Marv, Marv Elliott scored. Yep, Marv Elliott equalised. Yeah, and then I came on the squad, and I remember the celebrations for that game. Actually, they seemed like they went on for eternity. Honestly, I remember that game. I remember Livers at one point picked me up, and I had my hands up like that again to the crowd. It was just a crazy. Surreal moment, but that that probably plays a close second. But I think, yeah, on that day, scoring scoring is Everton signing a pro contract. Um, that is something that, even if you talk about writing stories, 
or writing something you'd wish to happen in your career, you probably wouldn't even maybe come up with something like that. And that that is literally, I know how lucky I am to have, have lived that and done that. Because it's quite safe to say that we we're actually toilet that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh... Uh, so that was one of the high points, I guess, for everybody at the club at the time. And then I think David Tuttle, who gave you your debut, he was shipped out. You must have thought, what's going on here? Well, no, it was Colin Lee that gave him a debut. Colin Lee, Dave Tuttle came in, in afterwards. In Colin, yeah, in, Tuttle. Yeah. Took then, you on and such. Yeah, and then he took me on and then he went on. And that's like you say, it was just a transition again. It was another manager coming in. Um, I, think I think it was Tony Burns and Alan McCleary this time. Yeah. They took, over, they took over towards the end of the season. And I remember the last game of the season against Burnley. Um, I think we had an average squad of, I think it was like 21 or something, like the average age of the group was like 20, 21. Tony Craig, I think, was captain that day. Um, and I remember I scored that day as well. And I remember just thinking, for me personally, um, obviously it was, a, it was a really, really positive season. Um, obviously the day at Southampton when we went down, I think it was Southampton morning. I think it was the day we went. We officially went. Right, yeah. Was a was a crazy one um, or, or a tough one, but it was a it was for me. It was mixed emotions. It was that feeling of of yes, we've been relegated for me, and obviously as a young lad, it's something that you didn't want to have happen. But at the same time, it, I had I had made a name for myself and um, bro- broken to the first team. Do you remember the? Do you remember the Southampton left back that day? Yeah, Gareth Bale, weren't it? <laughs> yeah, his league debut or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he did. I tell I tell my son that all the time. I said I made my he made his debut against me. Um, I was on the right that day. He was on the left left back. Um, yeah, but it was it was it was just a bizarre one that day because as I say, it was really. I remember my, my family came. My brother, my mum, and my girlfriend, who's the, my wife, at the, who's my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time, she um. She went there. She was a little bit scared, actually, at the time in the fans, because I think the fans were a little bit rowdy that day. <laughs> and, uh, we we're just about to get relegated. Yeah, yeah. so I think it wasn't... Yeah, we most... won't take it too well, were we? No, no, exactly. So I think she was a little bit like, oh. And I remember stopping at the... Um, so we drove that day. So I drove to the game. And I remember going, uh, driving home. I stopped at one of the services. And I think that was... the I knew the, the fans had really taken to me. Um, that year, and I remember going to the service station. And it just happened again. Me, my world. I just think I'm going to work into walk into the, the service station, and I'll, I'll probably bump into many people. But it just happened to be that that had a lot of more fans there. And I just I remember I couldn't eat a meal. People coming up to me, and I wasn't. It wasn't a way for me to feel like I was. I didn't feel like oh, leave me alone. It was just again a real a real surreal moment. Just sat there in the service station, and people coming up to me and autographs, and you know, I think obviously, like you say, I was probably the highlight of that season. Um, it just um, it was a real good fitting end for me for that year in terms of me personally. I know one of our co-hosts on this, Omar, who's not with us this evening. He always talks about your goal against Burnley. Oh, does he? <laughs> yeah, you remember it well. I remember the kid headed it back. I think the kid, the guys headed it back towards towards his goal, and I don't think he's seen me. And I've just literally read it and sniffed it out and lobbed it over the keeper. Um, but again, that day I just felt at that, that point I was playing like I was. I felt I was untouchable that, that that for that last probably three or four games. And that day again was where it was a young group, young team. I felt like I was playing with a lot of the young lads who came through with me in the academy. 
Uh, it was a lovely, lo- lovely hot summer's day. Um, and I think that was be, I think one one nil that day. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was really good. I felt it was. Um, but a lot of those goals that season, and I look back now, I speak to him, and again, again, back to my son, I don't want to keep boring you, but I speak to him now because he's coming through with football now and he's playing. And a lot of those goals that year were all sort of one-touch finishes. Um, and I think that's something I always try to do is, is, is hit things early where the keeper couldn't set himself. Um, and a lot of the things I tried to do, that, a lot of that season, it, it worked. So, yeah. So, you're on a high, Millwall are on a low. I think you started to attract some attention from some bigger clubs, didn't you, around about that time? Yeah, there was there were some talks. Um, Everton, uh, Charlton, West Brom. There was a couple of clubs that, that were coming. Bigger clubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can't really mention Charlton and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there were some clubs that was knocking around. Um, but again, I was just like, I didn't even know about stuff. I remember there was a, a report in one of the, the newspapers. I think it's just again, stuff I'm impressed that the club said that you know, we don't need to sell Marvin. You know, we're not we're not looking to sell our best players, our young young best players at the time. Didn't bother me. I wasn't I wasn't looking to leave. Um, I just felt as far as I'm concerned, I, I'll, I'll go to to the next season and, and do the same, try and do the same again. But it just that year, that following season was just um, tough, tough, tough period. So, with hindsight, do you regret not leaving with that interest? Do you, not, do you regret not getting on the phone to Finn? Um, Get me out of here, please. Um, it's a tough question because if I was clued up more, I think probably I would have at least asked a question to possibly say, right, what's out there? Um, but at the same time, I never felt that the fact that we'd been relegated, it would have hindered my my development so much individually. Right. I always thought that that would come. The bigger, you know, the so-called bigger clubs or the the, the moves will come. And, and as I say, money wasn't a motivator for me, so I was happy with what I was earning. I was happy where I was at. Um, I felt going into the following year, and this is probably where my, my mindset wasn't probably where it should have been, where maybe I didn't think about a new manager coming in who's going to have his own ideas. And, 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 Whilst a manager, the next manager that came in, I think, which was Nigel Spackman, if I remember correctly, that it year. Was Nigel Spackman, yeah. And his yeah, legion of a million signings. Yeah, yeah. And this is what, for me, was tough because I've gone from already a turmoil season and a lot of change. I felt I'd done well individually. And I'll be honest with you, from within the club, I never quite felt that it was acknowledged to me directly for anybody. Apart from getting a contract, yes, but I felt I'd always done things my own way to get. And I remember Nicky Myers saying to me once, "Marva, well done to you for getting there because you've done it yourself. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't hold it to the back of anybody. You didn't do anything you shouldn't have done. You got there yourself." And I and I and I just felt after that first season, you know, I didn't get a phone call from anyone, and it wasn't again. I need to hear anything. I didn't get a phone call from say, you know, a, 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 one of the directors or the, or the chairman or, or someone within the club say, "Marv." What a great season, you know. Stick with us. Oh, there was nothing that, and maybe I was, maybe I didn't need that, and maybe, maybe I, that does that stuff didn't happen then. But I just felt that there was never ever a direct acknowledgement of what I'd done that year. Um, and I think they just almost took it as well. It'll be back next year, and you know, Marvin, Marv's Marv. We don't need to kind of show him that kind of um, that that kind of conversation, that sort of thing. And, and maybe it didn't, but it, it, I just felt like when I showed back up again in, in for preseason in League One, I was just. 
previous year, what I'd done was was irrelevant. It was totally irrelevant. It, it was almost like all these new signings came in. I just spat them naturally wanted to, to go his own direction. And I never, never, never not got on with him. He was a lovely guy, lovely guy, probably too nice. That's what I think probably stopped, didn't help him. Um, but I just never felt after that first season, there was never a, uh, um, a, a, a sort of a real push behind me to sort of say, right, this is what we want you. We want you here. And, and that's what I maybe think in, in hindsight, could I have possibly maybe looked to get it elsewhere? I don't know. So Nigel Spackman's bought in his cast of millions. Yeah. Everybody's in and out. You mustn't have known what was going on. No, just a young lad again now. I'm just getting on with it. I, I'm, I know there's new lads coming in. Um, a couple are coming from Chelsea. A few came in from Chelsea and it didn't, it didn't, it just never, it never felt quite right. If I was honest with you, Neil, it never, it never felt right. It never felt like, um, what he was doing was, was really going to work. Just, it was just, it was too many people coming in, things that people were saying within the changing room. Again, I'm just a young lad still trying to live off of last year, not in the sense of hoping that gets me through this year, but more so I'm still on that high. So I'm coming into pre-season and I'm just thinking, right, let's just take off where we, where, where I left off. And, so, and again, I, I also played a part in, in not developing as much as I could have done, but it just so many things that I couldn't control held me back. And then, you know, I ended up talking about positions, you know, ended up playing that position. And I felt like in my first pre-season as doing really well as a championship centre forward and doing well, I felt that was the position I'd earned to play in. And then with Spackman, it turned out to play that on right on the right wing. And, and I never quite enjoyed that. And um, just, yeah, as I say, it was a, it was tough, tough. I think it was a problem that a lad called Fred on that Fred on the Nimba had a few years later, not yeah. quite in what position to play in, and yeah. you want to yeah. do one thing, the manager decides another, and off went Spackman after twelve yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously Willie Donicky comes in. Yeah, well, you um, must have thought this is a bloody case of deja vu, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. It's just a nav- he had to, he, you know, as I said to you, though, he was a lovely guy, but you knew after a period of time. We, we, I remember the first game of the season, I think it was against Chesterfield away. Was it Chesterfield? I think we got hammered. Yeah, no, it was Yeovil. Yeah, but I do remember the Chesterfield game. Yeah. 5 1. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeovil was the first one at home, but the, yeah, the one, yeah, that was on my birthday. And I remember getting, we got hammered. And I just remember thinking, this ain't, this ain't going to work. We just didn't, the balance wasn't right. The, the culture didn't seem right. Um, and it just didn't 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 quite feel feel fight right to me. But again, I'm a young lad. I'm just thinking, oh, maybe it will change. And when he went, you always felt it was the right decision. Um, but again, you're thinking, oh, another manager. And this again for me, I've gone from last season. We've had a, a really good run. Nigel Spatman, he goes, and then another manager comes in, and it's almost like now for me, last season's almost forgotten now at this point. You know, because these managers are no longer even thinking about that. They're always thinking about now, just trying to steady the ship and, and look after themselves to a degree. And you have to prove yourself yet again to get yeah. another manager who yeah. might have different plans to the last manager. Yeah, and we had a we had a fractious relationship, me and Willie. And I I, I like Willie, and I thought he was a really, and actually he done very well. You, could, you know, there's no there's no doubt about that. He turned the club around. He saved the ship. Um, a very very um, uh, calm calm uh, calm man. He, he's he's a thinker. Very conscientious. Um, we used to be. Tra- we used to train. We used to be training. Never forget this. We used to be training, and be doing it. We'd be doing a practice, and, and it would just say, "Stop, stop. Close your eyes. Uh, feel the wind on your face. 
you know, listen to this and listen to that. And he just, it was crazy. We used to be like, we used to, I remember, we used to sort of just open up one eye and look at the players. And he used to be thinking, is this real? Is this, is he being honest there? Yeah, but this uh, is me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're on Calvin Road here, mate. Uh, we're trying to just try to train. But um, <laughs> it was, it, he was very like that, very methodical. Um, as I say, very much a, a um, just, and he just wanted hard, strong, reliable men. And I didn't fit the mould of that. And as I say, I wasn't playing well uh, and I wasn't playing particularly great, but then I don't think anybody was at that time. Um, and as a young, and, and I still was a young lad, Neil, you know, I think people just thought because I'd come in last year and I was around and uh, and, and as Willie coming in and with a lot of changes in managers, I think they just, people just started to think I was, just, I was, a, I was a, a name in the squad and had been around for, a, you know, not a long time, but I was, I was kind of used to that and I wasn't. And, one of the biggest things I think I never had at that time at the club was anybody that was consistent enough to be around to put an arm around me and show me as a young lad, you know, I like you and I want you here and I, I want you to be a part of this long term. And um, it was just, it was just always constantly another a, a battle. I felt uphill. I think what you probably needed was what happened the following season was when Kenny Jacket came in. I think you needed somebody constantly there, didn't you? Not playing under five or six managers because I think. Under Spackman, we were going down again, weren't we? Yeah, we were going Yeah, let's not make too many bones about it. And Donaghy has to come in, and you were probably a veteran by then because yeah. there was probably nobody left yeah. from the season before. And that's what it felt like. You know, I think, and I think there was a couple of players still left, obviously Marvin Ellis and whatever, and, and they, but they, by that point, Marvin Ellis and those players, they, they played, you know, um, the players who were around, they, they, they were still probably two, three times more games than me in terms of two, three times more games they played more than me. So I was still, whilst I was one of the ones that had been around, there was, I was, I was still a young lad. And, and even throughout that period, you know, I, I actually got offered a new contract because I, I actually, on my initial contract, I had, um, I think I came in at, with 25 games left of the championship season. And, and and the club had put in my contract 25 appearances, you get a new deal. And I remember one game that year um, through injury and I played 24 and the club said to me, Marv, listen, we, we unbelievable. We, couldn't, we didn't envision you get to 25 games or appearances so quickly. So well done. Um, sat down and, and more than doubled my wages and the money was not an issue whatsoever. Um, and I turned it down. I turned down a new, a new two. I think it was a new two-year or three-year deal, and it was in negotiations anyway. Tony wanted to try and get more. That was totally another conversation, but um, it was, it was, a, 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 the money was very good. I was a young, still eighteen at the time, eighteen going on nineteen, and the money was very good. And I turned it down, mate, because I just felt I don't want to commit to something again. Where my, in my, in my, in already only what a year and a half or whatever it might have been on at that point, um, a year on or whatever it could have been. I was had so many different managers, so many changes. Yeah, and and then I think midway through that season, you had a loan spell at Torquay United. Mm. And bear in mind that you were in our first team at the time. Yeah, weren't you? What was all of that about? Um, I wasn't playing in the first team, or I was. I was in and out. I was in and out. Um, and it got to a point, I always remember there was a period I wasn't playing and I wasn't, but then I wasn't also, I wasn't playing enough, but I wasn't getting reserve football. Um, and I remember uh, a conversation I had with somebody in the, in, um, in the physio room uh, and 
I was told by one of the, the, the first team coaches, you know, Willie Donick, he, he doesn't he doesn't think you're ready yet to be playing week in week out in the first team, but he thinks you're too good to play in reserves. But he doesn't want you to go on loan. So I was like, okay, so I can't go. I'm not going to get minutes in the first team right now, um, as much as I'd like to keep fit. I'm not going to play in the reserves because you say to me I'm too good to play in the reserves. But I can't, and I wanted to play reserves by this point as well. You know, I wasn't even being big time. I wanted to play reserves to get myself some fitness. Yeah. So I was told I couldn't play reserves because I was too good. And at the same time as well, I was then being told I can't go alone. So in my head, I'm like, well, where am I going to get minutes or where am I going to get to a level of, of game time where I can show you what I'm capable of? And, and we're still in the background, me and Willie are having a little bit of a back and forth about what my best position is. Um, um, and at that point as well, me and Tony at the time, we're having a little bit of an issue because I'm saying to him, listen, I want to go on loan and he's maybe not paying as much attention as I would like him to. But at the same time, you know, he... he, he when he needs to do things, he's done things right. So I can't knock him in that respect. But um, with Colin Lee, no, it wasn't like Colin Lee at the time. Um, a phone call came in and from talking, I just said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. And I just wanted to go and play. And again, I just wasn't thinking about levels. I wasn't thinking about what I've achieved. I just felt like I wanted to kickstart again and rejuvenate what I felt was, was um, a downward spiral at that moment. And, and it, it done that. Obviously, the first game I scored. Again, I scored. Keith Cole was the manager. It's all okay. Yeah. Yeah, Keith Cole, lovely guy. Lovely guy. Um, and then it got cut short. So, and then I came back. Did you find his excuse where he said, you're not ready for regular first-team football, a bit distasteful? Because bear in mind, you've played 24 games in the championship the following season arguably our best player, and then you drop down the division, he tells you you're not experienced enough. You haven't, you're not good enough to play at a lower division. I think there was, I think there was a bit of both. I think, like I said to you, I'm very, I was always, I think now I look back, I was probably a little bit hard-headed and I was probably a little bit um, uh, not as honest with myself, and I probably wasn't playing that great as much as as well as I would have liked, and 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 I probably knew that. But at the same time, I also was very adamant, and I was always whilst I was a quiet kid, and I was and I didn't like confrontation. If I felt as though I need to say something, I would, and I just felt, and I kept, and whether maybe it was just him thinking, well, listen, Marvin, I need to go and sort this. I need to get this group stable, and I need to do it my way. I just felt I wanted to really have a chance up front, and I just felt my my first year in the championship deserved that. And I just, you know, and and, and going into the second season in the, in the division lower, to just not really get a run at it, a real good chance. I just, I just felt it was a little bit, um, it, it was just hard to take, and and maybe it might not have worked out, and maybe it wasn't the right decision. And I think at the time, we at that point, you know, you got Darren Byford was scoring goals, um, who was an experienced striker doing really well. Um, so. I, maybe I just didn't fit what he was looking for in terms of a centre forward, and, and I didn't end, end up having to battle out on the right wing, and I just didn't feel ever like that's where I really wanted to play, uh, and that showed, and it showed, um, and yeah, I just felt that's why I mean having a bit of a clash. I just didn't think it was an answer that I wanted, and then I thought, right, by that point, to be honest with you, Neil, when I got back from the, the, the talky spell, I probably knew I was going to be going. I knew I'm leaving in terms of me making that decision to go. And then you scored. <laughs> you, you scored, I think, in your second game back. Was that a game? Yeah. Or somebody? Yeah, Doncaster. Doncaster away from home. Um, 
Remember that Paul Hubert to the cross and good finish. Um, but at that point, he was bringing in experienced players. Like I said, that's what he wanted, Willie. Experienced, strong players. And I just kind of got a bit lost, mate. I'll be honest with you, I got kind of lost in between it. Marvin, that guy who had the season in the first year, was kind of forgotten. I was kind of just like another squad player. Um, and I never wanted to live on it, as I said. That wasn't, don't, you know, don't take that the wrong way. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to live off of that. I just felt that as a young lad, I probably should, I would have liked the club to have maybe understood what they maybe had there and the talent that was maybe in me at that point. And let's, if we're not going to play him, let's 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 tell him that. But let's tell him we want him here and we we want to we want to um, have him here for the next two, three, four years. And you know, when I took down the contract, there wasn't really a fight to kick to make me sign it. You know, so um, apart from a little bit of, I had a conversation with the chairman at the time who rang me when I said I wanted to leave. Other than that, it wasn't really a battle. And you ended up going to Yeovil. What was your thinking behind going to Yeovil at the end of that season? Just, just a new environment. I just wanted somewhere different. I just people say, yeah, you've been at Mill for a little bit of time because I said I wanted to leave and go somewhere different. But people forgot I'd been at Mill since I was twelve. So I just wanted to go and experience something different. Again, I wasn't thinking about trying to stay at any level. I just wanted to. Yeovil came in. Um, as I said, the chairman rang me and said, listen, we want you to stay. We've had an offer come in, but we want you to stay. Um, but we won't stand in your way. So I said, okay, well, I want to go, Mr. Chairman. I, you know, I really do want to go. All right, no problem. And, and Willie Donicky rang me and he said, I want to go. No problem. Good luck. Um, and it was just a, it's a change of environment. You know, I spoke to Russell Slade, really liked what he had to say. Uh, and... Um, I went and, and I was, and I'm always somebody that just takes chances. I, I don't care about where it is. You know, obviously you can see I went and played in Sweden. I, I don't care about all that stuff as to where it is. If I think it's right, right for me, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and if it didn't work, it doesn't work out, which it didn't really. Then so be it. Am I right in think? Yeah, you'd actually must have played against Yeovil a couple of times for Millwall. I know we, well, we briefly spoke about that one-one game, and then I think there was a game over Easter that year, wasn't there? Yeah. Yes. Well, we lost, uh, I think. Did we lose 1-0 or 2-1 or something like that? At what? Me at Millwall, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, at Yeovil, this is. Yeah. Yeah, when we went down to Yeovil. So you must I have been aware of it. Yeah, yeah. So I was. I, I think I, I was definitely, I remember that game. I can't remember exactly what the score was. But yeah, I remember I remember the club. I remember going there. I remember... Um, it was different worlds. It's, it's different worlds. There were different worlds. And, and I, I realised at that point how good Millwall was in respect of its training ground, its facilities in comparison to, to Yeovil because at Millwall, I was, that's what I knew. So, you know, having that lovely, you know, at that point, it was a, a standard but lovely canteen um, to eat after training. Um, obviously, changing rooms and, and, and training grounds uh, separate to the stadium, et cetera, et cetera. To then come into to Yeovil, which at that point, no disrespect to the club whatsoever, um, but it was a total different world where, you know, um, you were lucky if you were given lunch after training. You know, the training pitch was pretty much just a, a another set of pitches high up on high up on a on a um, higher bit of land by the ground. Um, but I bought into it. I bought a house there, mate. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't try to sort of go in and sort of semi semi half hearted. I went in into into a into a hundred percent as I said I bought a house down there and, and I thought right let me set up shop and let me give it a crack and 
you know, had the injury though in the first few months, and that 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 pretty much killed the season. And then I think you ended up not long afterwards at Brentford. Yeah, and, and you was... went playing against Millwall. That must have been a surreal experience. Well, I didn't make that. I didn't. I wasn't in the. I was uh, injured that game. I didn't make this. I didn't. I wasn't in the squad that game, um, which was an interesting one because I was really looking forward to to playing in it. But I think I was. I think I was injured that game. Sure, I was. Um, I can't remember rightly, but there was a one 0 defeat. I think for Brentford. Yeah, yeah. I'm certain. I don't think I was available. I don't think I played that game. But um, yeah, the wife became pregnant that year, or the girlfriend at the time. And oh, yeah. Was... yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, no. You played for Yeovil against Millwall, actually. Sorry, and you came off the bench, didn't you? And yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and that was very surreal, very surreal, very strange. Um, because as I said, I've not not only had I been at, going to the den as a or playing at the den as a first team player, I'd been going to the den as a young Mill fan essentially from 10, 11, 12, all the way through. Um, as a scholar after a Saturday match, going to the game, doing the first team jobs. Um, so, so Mill was another home for me. So to go on and play there as a as a an opposing um player was was really strange. Really, really strange. Even being in the away change room, which is really strange. Um, but yeah, this, this is this is this is football, and it was just um, it's just well, traditional Millwall welcome off the crowd. I, I done right. I was all right. Yeah, Mill was Mill was always so good to me. Honestly, I always remember this time um, where I think it was after it was his first season. It was a tough time, tough, tough time for the club. And I remember the club almost uh, the set of fans. They uh, almost barricaded the fans, the players in the ground. They were at the front of the ground. And I remember the, uh, the security saying, guys, do not leave the ground for the time being. A bit of the, the club, the, the fans were a bit rowdy. Obviously, I think they were upset we'd lost the game or whatever. Um, I remember, what's that, sorry, mate? Yeah, yeah, but it was a pretty standard response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, but I, I, I never felt in any way, shape or form. And there were players that wouldn't leave. They would not leave. And probably rightly so, because there was probably someone that was getting... Some abuse held at them. Um, I never felt I never felt any way uncomfortable. I just remember leaving the ground and the fans were like Marv, no, let Marv through. But, you know, get to your car. I remember I was with my, you know, I was, I was with with family and and um, or my family were behind me. But I just always felt comfortable. I never felt like I'd never I ever felt like I was, I was over. You know, took any real strong abuse. Whenever I came back, I was good as gold. When I was whenever I was injured, I'd sit in the stands with the fans. Whenever I was injured, I was never one that was like. Sat anywhere else. I sat with the with the fans in 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 the family section. So it was um it was always a club that always sort of took me in their hearts really. And I, I'll, I've always that's why I will always be something close to me that club because it's, it's always been it's always been good to me. Um, then you I, mentioned Brentford. So your yeah. girlfriend was pregnant or your wife was pregnant at the time. Yeah. Start on playing against us because you were injured. Did you say? Yeah, yeah. I remember being injured. Uh, I was injured one. I can't remember what it was we were playing in because obviously it was different leagues. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember it was an injury. Um, or it could have, yeah, no, I think it was an injury. I can't remember what it was. And that was a bit of an, um, bit of a, a downer, really. But again, I probably found it a better thing not playing against Mill because I think I don't, I don't think I enjoyed that. I don't think I ever enjoyed going back to, to Mill when I, when I, as, an, as an opposing player, as I said. So it was uh, wasn't a bad thing for me, really. <laughs> Then injury ended your career, I think, didn't it? Your Achilles gave up. Mm. And yeah. then you started playing around non-league football. Yeah. 
quite some time. Was that difficult experiencing the highs of Everton? No. Turning out in non-league football? I enjoyed non-league more than professional football. That is that is with that. And I say that so confidently because I feel um a lot of my professional um career was ups and downs, um, politics. Uh, yes, there were some unbelievable highs, uh, but then there were some real, real lows. And I just felt the people in the game just, just, just were just. You just couldn't ever know if it was true or, or if, if they were ever being being open, honest, transparent, whatever, whatever it was, whether it was agents, whether it was managers, whether it was players, teammates, directors. You know, I just always felt like I was. Um, constantly battling and I don't mean as in battling arguing but just never always and that might have been part of me as well the young lad and what I'd been through at Millwall and I could never I never felt ever settled in, in professional football and when I went to non-league a total different environment as you say you know it's non-league football it is what it is it's um you know you're, you're dealing with part-time players um, luckily for me though I always managed to stay in non-league pretty much 95% of the teams I was at um who are still full-time training. So I didn't really do the evening training. I was very lucky to stay, still stay full-time. Um, but managers I worked with were a lot more down-to-earth, a lot more honest, a lot more open. Um, contracts would be done within two days, two hours maybe. You know, it was just... I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just it was just really how, how I loved it. And everyone, people will always have... Everyone's different, aren't they? And everyone, everyone um, obviously likes things how they like it but for me that at that moment in my career it was what exactly what I needed because I took a break out I stopped I know I think I went to um I went to Stevenage I took a break out and I remember getting a phone call from Graham Wesley at Stevenage and he said to me uh he, he was speaking to me for five minutes on the phone I didn't know who it was until he said to me do you know who this is you're talking to I said not a clue and I remember speaking to him and I went in for training and I, that was what pretty much finished me off Graham Wesley in terms of I needed a break because his training regime was unreal. It was um, starting at 10, finishing at 5 p.m. every day, every day. Um, and that was it, really. We just And I just took a break, um, went to non-league and loved it. And, yeah, we just bring us up to date now. You coaching at Sutton United? Yeah, so that's where I well, pretty much I finished at Tunbridge Angels, but um, I really stopped playing up at Sutton, where I um, the Achilles gave up, and um, the the manager at the time I got on really well with, and you know, I just said, "Listen, I'm going to stop playing, but I would love to set up an academy." So at the point at that time, we never had a sixteen to eighteen academy, so we set it up, um, and now we run a, a hundred and thirty five boy academy program. At Sutton, um, I don't I don't get to coach as much now because obviously with such a big program, a lot of my job now is overseeing the, the whole program and 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 all all, all the uh, elements that go into that. Um, so now we're just looking at um, continuing to develop players, get some players into our first team, get some players into to, to bigger clubs up the ladder, um, and and continue to just yeah just just try and, and that's for me what is that's what it's about. I come through an academy. Academy football is what I came through. So that's in my blood. That's what I love. Um, you know, and, and that's what I'm glad I fell into this job because it, it, it perfectly fits with what I've always been sort of around, really, in terms of as a young lad and what I've been growing grew up in. So if Millwall ever came back or a professional club came back and said, Melvin, come and run our academy, would you be interested? 
Yeah, no, do you know what? I come back and went for a lot a couple of years ago. I went I was actually going to watch training a lot of the Mill sessions. So Andy Massey, funnily enough, is still there. I think Massey's been at Mill for God a thousand years, hasn't he? Oh my God, he's just an absolute trooper. So he's been there for years. So I'll go back in, obviously, and I and I was going in and I was watching his sessions, which was really weird because it was almost like I'm watching him and he was coaching me. So that was a really surreal moment. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I still try and keep in touch with 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 people within the game. And as I say, Mill Mill Wonder Ratings came to us last season. Um, Chris Perry and um, uh, a few of the others brought down. Walked down the under 18s and we played them in a friendly, which is a really good game. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to continue to learn and watch different sessions and different people and, and see what they can do and 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 try and sort of take little bits of here and there and also try and take what my career's given me and the good parts and trying to to give them into the put them into the boys. And treat people probably a little bit better than you were treated. Yeah. Various ages. Show them the love, I guess. Showing them love and just being honest. I've always said it. If you're honest, I'm I'm happy. Just be honest with me. Don't you know? Don't don't um don't don't sort of go around the houses. Don't try and butter sort of sugarcoat it. Just tell me as it is. Um, and like you say, if someone someone's doing well for you, then it's it's like anything. It's it's a it's a you know if you look at it from a business perspective, if I've got an asset that's like, that's that's doing really well and has value, I'm going to look after it. You know, if I've got something that's going to um, you know, if you look at it from a business, pay dividends later on down the line. I'm going to look after it. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to hone it. And I just felt, for me, especially at my time at Millwall, it was, it just was, it was probably at the wrong time in respects of where I came through. Great time, but a wrong time in terms of really having someone there to say, right, this kid's going to stay here long term. I'm going to, he's going to look, we're going to look after him. I just never. Yeah. It's like what we said before, isn't it? Before we've done this, that. Um, that you'd had to listen to the Cherno interview we did. And, yeah. And again, it was the same with him. He was, you know, the way he was treated and such, it was, I think it was just that era in football where, you know, youngsters weren't necessarily given the respect, um, what possibly they were due or, or the courtesy, what they were due. Um, why now he's gone into being an agent and all that. Cause he said, you know, you need to check on the mental health of the players. You need to make sure that, you know, five minute call, is nothing. Yeah. But back then, you weren't getting that support. You, you know, the mental health issue, what goes with it now, wasn't really understood back then. So it was just you're in a you're in a, a demanding sport. You're in a man sport where mental health just wasn't looked at. Yeah. Um. And um, you, you've hit the nail on the head, Mickey, mate. It, it was that you know mentally for me coping with some scenarios I couldn't cope, and I've sometimes lashed out in anger. Um, and that angle was maybe just saying at times I, I want to leave or I want to go on loan. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was really tough to there's no one to speak to. And the funny thing was actually, they, used to, they, they actually had a psychologist at the time that used to make us eat. I think he worked with the Miami Dolphins for a little bit. Um, and But it was very, that was very, it was unknown at those times. So we would go in and he would just be very, very sort of um, generic and, you know, when you think about scoring goals, visualise it and visualise that. And it was never nothing that ever really, you know, um, broken all barriers. But I would have loved to then to have just spoken to somebody and just say, listen, guys, this is how I feel. You know, I, I feel like I've had a great first season with the club, but right now I don't, it's not a case I felt not valued, but like you said, use the word there. I just felt like there was not a, I didn't maybe get the courtesy that sometimes I think I deserve just to say, right, Mark, we like you after year one. You know, I think another club, if I'd have done what I'd have done, 
I might have had a four or five year contract. It's not about money, but I mean, it's in the, the, the intention they might have done and put to me was, here's another four year contract, or is this, or is that, or this is just shows you what we got. But because I guess the club were in transition and people didn't know if they were coming or going, I just think the squad probably lost its its soul. Um, the club at that time probably lost its soul on the pitch. Um, and then, you know, whoever was coming in next was just like, right, I want to rebuild it. I want to do what I want to do. I'm not interested in that season anymore. Um, and and it just kind of felt as though, uh, yeah, it was all forgotten quickly. So so what's your, what's your greatest bit of advice for a kid coming through the game now, coming up into, into the game? Because obviously, you know, so you you started with Millwall what from nine, and yeah. you didn't know whether or not you could you could get to seventeen. In theory, you could get to seventeen and be told, you know, good, thanks very much. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're fifteen, sixteen. Your kids, what you train, you look after now. Yeah. What's the great bit of advice you you feel that you can give to a kid now? Um, really good question. Really good question. Um. Always, always be honest with be honest with yourself in terms of how you're feeling and, and what you're feeling, and 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 speak to people around you that you trust and, and love the most because they'll always tend to be as honest as they can with you. And um, that for me is if we take football out of the way completely, like you say, going back to that the mental side of the game, I think that's the toughest thing because you are in a, such a demanding sport where you'll hear things and it will be cruel and it will be ruthless. Um, and you don't know sometimes if you're, what you're hearing is true or if it's right for what you, right for you. Um, and there were things that I felt that at my time was probably better to do. And 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 I and I and I, there was a huge part of me that probably that wanted to stay at Millwall. A huge part of that age wanted to stay at Millwall. But um, and in hindsight, if someone had just said to me, Marvin, listen, stay. You know, you need to just stay and and, and maybe do this or maybe do that. Someone within the club, I would have done. So for me, it's just it's for these young lads, really, just just you know, really um, listen to people around you that you know and you trust and you love and you care about, you know, uh, just be honest with yourself and what you're feeling and, and continue to just do do what you're doing and follow your path and don't be afraid to change your path if you need to because some people follow things because they think it's the way to do it um, and, and, you know, you'll get there. Marvin, we've been going for one and a half hours. That probably seems an appropriate place to leave this interview thank you so much indeed for your time tonight no worries no. probably been one of our best interviews i think that we've done in this series and uh we just like to wish you all the very best for the future top man nil i thank you so much mickey mate thank you guys so much
message. What up, what up? It's Heather's cousin. You dated her in college, or maybe you were just in the same class. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat, my man. Let's hit the water. Oh, and Heather told me you always liked, uh, snacks and stuff, so I could totally bring some chips. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them, and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Hey, also, I'm a little short on cash, so can you cover the chips? Thanks. I can see why Heather liked you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Annual Premium for Basic Liability Policy not available in all states. With bills to pay and debt piling up, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Personal loans through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track financially if eligible. Our secure application process allows you to customize the terms that work for you and your budget. So check your eligibility today without affecting your credit score and help get your finances back on track. NetCredit, a more personal, personal loan. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com partners for more information. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.